Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers, what the fucking ears, what the fuck buddies, whatever you want to call yourselves? I'm glad you're here. Let me get this out of the way at the beginning. Pow! I shit my pants. Justcoffee.coop. Or you can go to WTFpod.com and get everything you want there. Send us some money. Grab a T-shirt, get some coffee, get an Audible download, whatever you need. You know, this show is going to be a little different, folks. I am taping this from New York, and a lot of you have heard me go on about my frustration, my overwhelming sense of dread and panic about the just the 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 state of culture, the the idea that we're being entertained into submission, into ignorance, into some sort of cultural retardation. We're all being infantilized to have the emotions of ten-year-olds that think they can have whatever they want, whenever they want it without anybody telling us differently and they're feeding us just that and i'm disillusioned and a little aggravated so today what i decided to do is bring in but let's 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 raise the bar a little bit on on a thematic level i think that all of my interviews and everyone i talk to are all very intelligent we have wonderful conversations but i wanted to address this stuff specifically so you guys may know jim wolcott James Walcott from his uh, from his column in Vanity Fair, or you maybe visit his uh, blog at Vanity Fair. He's a guy that puts culture into context, and I respect his intellect. And then I'm very excited about this. Uh, my dear friend Sam Lipsight, whose book The Ask uh, is in stores probably about now, uh, is going to come in and talk a little bit about that, about books he likes. I tell you honestly, I haven't had time to see him since I've been here, so this is going to be the, the first time we get to hang out and talk, and I always look forward to that. And then we're going to go ahead and at the, at the end of the show dip back into mainstream culture, and myself and Brendan McDonald will do an Oscar crunch for you. We'll just I, I think he's going to make me watch part of a movie that I didn't that I resisted just because I I I don't I don't like cartoons I want to get a headset with a microphone. Then I look, you know, will look authoritative because you see these people running around the theater like audience members. No, they're members of the staff oh, right. of yeah, the yeah, theater. Yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah. they all look so. You don't know they're talking to somebody up in a control booth. Sure. You know, letting you know, like, okay, those two seats are empty down here. We're gonna, right. We gotta yeah, yeah. move some people down here. Right? <laughs> And I thought, I would just love to walk around like that, have people think like... Yeah, you can. I mean, you could just get one. It doesn't have to be connected to anything. Yeah. Like like when they shoot a movie in New York, there are 40 people walking around the street with these little things. And you're thinking, how much needs to be done? They're shooting like a... (laughs) 30-second scene in, like, a haircutting salon, you know, for... Uh... <laughs> but you could just, like, it'd be a great way to get out of conversation. Just like, no, 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 hold on, excuse yeah, hold me. Hold on, excuse me. Okay. No, you can't put that there. You're going to have to bring it in somewhere else. Okay, do I do I have to come down there? <laughs> do that kind of thing, like... <laughs> I got to go. I gotta I'm go. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that voice is uh, James Wolcott, the uh, columnist for Vanity Fair, also uh, his own Vanity Fair blog, which you have said nice things about my show. Well, I think the show is great. Oh, that's yeah. I I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I mean I think it's I I love I love the 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 combination of the personal stuff you get into with the shop talk because you know like writers are totally phony. Writers never talk about real shop talk. They pretend they do, but it's all about well, you know, as Rilke once said, writing is about, you know, but they never really talk the thing like 
this editor so screwed me over. Right, right, right. You know? Whereas when comics get together, they talk about, remember that club that used to be in <laughs> Cleveland? <laughs> yeah. Where, like, you know, they, you know. Yeah. You that guys, guy with one eye. Yeah. What do you think of the medium of podcasting in general? I mean, do you think it's got a future? Do you think it's important? I, you know, I like it a lot. I mean, I, I've never gotten into the whole thing of the video blogging because, for one thing, I don't want to really look at somebody as on on the screen because if with podcasting, I can be doing other things. That's you know, what I, I think. Download yeah. it. You know, I I I download a lot of podcasts from the BBC because they do a lot of really great, you know, great interview shows and stuff there. I almost never do NPR things. Yeah, because um, well, you can get that anyway. You I, can get it, and it's all kind of in the same tone with NPR. Even the comedy, very you precious. Know, very today we're talking to you know yeah, the, yeah, that yeah. that Saturday Night Live routine really caught it where the, the yeah, yeah, uh, you yeah. know oh good times you know yeah. there's a kind of real like a condescending sweetness and yeah, you kind of feel like yelling at it just this come on yeah you know whereas the thing about your show is I can tell there become moments where the people sort of forget. That's what I'm trying to do. That they're, they're and they start saying things, and you're like, because one one comedian said something. You said like, uh, dude, do you really want to be saying? Because the guy was saying basically, you know, about how he was not that committed to relationships and how he could like kill. Oh, a woman, oh that's right. Snap her yeah. neck and bury her in the <laughs> desert. Steve Ren is easy. Walk away. And you're like, uh, do you really want to be? And he Steve defended it. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you know, not, but I love it. Not that I'd really do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, that's good to know. Well, I think that sort of, uh, to me, is what's interesting about doing it is that I will, you know, I have freedom. I'm not on live. You know, I can mm-hmm. have, I know these guys well enough, at least that we're, we're comedians. We're in the same community. Mm-hmm. And many of them I, I've known, you know, by passing them in the hallway for 20 years, mm-hmm. that the best thing that can happen is that I don't make a plan about the interview. Mm-hmm. I just want it to become genuine. And yeah. I think that somehow or another, even if we're not talking about comedy, no matter who you're talking to, if you're listening to it and it's genuine, it's compelling. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, it's and and because also the people who are on your show, they're not there to plug something. I right. Mean, they may have something like they may have something coming up, but that's not the purpose. And it's a whole different tone if somebody is there because, like on, on NPR, any of these shows, if somebody has a new book out and the purpose is to talk about the book or the movie. You the know, challenge is pretending like you're not talking about that. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah to be, oh, by the, by the way, you know. Yeah, everyone, you know, everyone is talking about your, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, it's like now we're getting, I was, I was, I, I did a little thing on about before I left about, it's like I said, I hope to God Jeff Bridges gets the Academy Award because I'm so sick of reading pieces about, you know, he really is our greatest actor and it's such a shame he's never gotten, because I've been reading this for 20 years now. You know, it's like he's- Since always, Fat City. Yeah. And so, and I hear him on the radio and I hear people talking, talking about, well, I really think it's going to be Jeff Bridges' year. I'm like, I hope so. It's just about an end to this. <laughs> just about to hear this next year. <laughs> well, it's a different movie. Did you see that movie? No, not no, yet. No, yeah, it's a kind. Of, the subject doesn't interest me because I feel like I've seen it before. You, know, you kind of have. It's tender mercies, tender uh, mercies only with a, a a little. Uh, well, that had a happy ending too. It, it is yeah. tender mercies for the most part. Yeah, uh, except a little bigger in its scope. Yeah, yeah, I I, I liked it. I, I but I, you said you went to the theater this weekend. Yeah, I did go to the now, theater. Now, I went to the theater the other night, and, and you're a person that puts things into context. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I've been having a problem lately, just in general, where I've actually had moments where I'm at a movie or I'm at a comedy show, and I, I, it's a deep moment where I'm like, mm-hmm. haven't we been entertained enough? Mm-hmm. I mean, when does this shit stop? <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I mean, I can't, like, I don't know sometimes, like, I read your piece this week uh, uh, in this issue on, on Alec Baldwin. It's a very mm-hmm. thoughtful piece, and mm-hmm. you know, it, it resonated with me that the idea that this guy has evolved into something mm-hmm. great, though he may not accept that, and the, the primary, you know, thing that's stuck in his craw maybe is that he hasn't had a defining movie moment mm-hmm. that would make him memorable in that way forever uh that's why he may retire may not retire so you are, have an ability to put things into a cultural context and and i went to a play the other night and i had this moment where i'm like this is why theater is important because those are human beings we're mm-hmm. connecting we're a community emotions are, are being uh, directed and dictated and, and it's an organic experience and that doesn't happen anymore and we need more of it mm-hmm. do you ever have that yeah uh, no, I have it with the theater. Also, I the, when you go to the theater, you realize how hard actors really work, oh, and, yeah. and like what you can actually see them building something through through the course of the evening. Whereas it's not because oh, at the at that moment the director decided to move the camera up and actually give all the emotion comes from the camera movement. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. The actor. So I mean, I there are a lot of things I see that I on stage that uh, it's it's really one of the few places where you also you see people you never see anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, actors, you find yourself actors. going. God, these people are really good. Like the play I saw the other night, there are like two British male British uh, actors in it. One of them is Hugh Dancy. The other one I for, I always mispronounce name is something like Ben Wishlaw. He was in the remake of Brideshead Revisited. They were both terrific, but there was an actress in it who was sensational. You yeah. know, and I thought I've never heard of her before. Right. You know. And, yeah. 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 You know, and the problem with the theater, I, I don't know if you find is what I find is just the logistics of the theater sometimes are like. Oh yeah! After we leave, it's a, it's a crappy neighborhood. Or, yeah, yeah. You know, like right. I hate going to Times Square. I mean, the theater. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now yeah. that they've changed, it's because it's just a never-ending mass of of it's, tourists. Yeah, and, and dirt everyone's and, crashing into you. Yeah, and, yeah. And by the time you get there, you're already grumpy. And, yeah, and I think also that theater gets sometimes a bad reputation because you can only see so many bad plays before you're like, I, I cannot be put through that again. Mm-hmm. You know, a bad movie for some reason you have a certain amount of distance. Uh, from yeah. it, even if it's bad, you can walk out yep. or, or you can just tolerate it. But a bad play, you're like, why are they doing this to us? Well, you know, the thing about a bad pl- what I find I, d- I do now is I one of the things that drives me crazy is so many plays now don't have intermissions. Yeah. Which is fine if it's 90 minutes. Right. But sometimes it'll be like, it's two hours and 10 minutes without intermission. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm going to die in there. You know, it's like few things are that riveting. Yeah, and yeah. then you can't, and you feel like you can't leave. Oh, you just want to leave your body yeah. squirming. And it's like, what's wrong with intermission? I love intermission. Yeah. You know, I mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like to hear the bell or the, see the lights going up. I like to hear the bell. Time. I like the sense of relaxation. Yeah, I, like, yeah. I like that people can go out and stand on a sidewalk with the cool air. Yeah. But instead, like, I'll look at certain things and I'll say, oh, that sounds good. And then I look and it goes, oh. an hour and eight, you know, 40 minutes without intermission. I'm going, I don't think I can make No way. It. Yeah. You know. Well, I, I think that the, the broader thing that I'm having a problem with, and I don't know that it, it's because of my age or, or because I'm getting older or that I, I, I neglected to get informed by this type of stuff, but what we what, what we grew to know uh, no, when I was younger, mm. and, and I was even too young for it then, as the arts, you know, you know ballet, mm. uh, things, that, you know, painting, sculpture, uh, uh, symphony music, mm-hmm. I, I just don't have any connection to. Mm-hmm. And, and now with the cultural uh, climate that we're now i don't know that most of the stuff that we're presented as art really is and i think a lot of it is just we're just never there's just a never-ending wave of garbage being plowed over our heads do you ever find that yeah right. <laughs> oh yeah no i well, see, but i find out more with movies i, I sure. find it more because uh, it's like what i find offensive is okay you're gonna you're doing this and you want to make a lot of money 
and you want to get a lot of, and you're doing a lot of hype. Okay, fine. But then we're also supposed to really critically respect it. You know, I mean, I have seen some really rotten Martin Scorsese films, you know, recent years. Yeah, me too. Right. Yeah. I mean, I thought the depart, when I saw the departed after everybody else, you know, after it got in the race. Yeah. And I thought, I thought, this is just junk. He swept through it. Yeah. And yeah I agree. And, and and so much of the stuff he does is it's the hyped up camera movements to disguise the fact that it's really primitive material. It's not that interesting. I've seen much more interesting things about, you know, that kind of corruption. Right. You know, like Absolutely. Sidney Lumet did movies like that. And, you know, sure. you know. And yet, every time we're all supposed to like bow down to Martin Scorsese. I don't know why that movie, did, why he got it's. It's almost embarrassing that he got the acclaim he got for that. Did you see Shutter Island? I haven't seen it yet. No. I, I think you should go. You'll be uh, pleasantly surprised. Oh, is it better? Oh, it's, yeah. It's it's. He definitely didn't sweep through it. It's very well constructed, and it's you know it's got this saturated color and almost a Hitchcockian feel. Mm-hmm. Every frame is loaded up, but it's not tricky editing. It yeah. it definitely has. Uh, I, I don't know if I w- would even know how to use the word allegory, but there's a lot of hallucination slash mm-hmm. dream sequences, which can become tedious if they're not yeah. handled properly. But I found it to be very compelling, and I I felt like that you get that feeling where you can sit back and go, I'm in the hands of a professional mm-hmm. doing his job. Yeah, no, he's a total pro. Right. You know, but it's sort of like what I what I sometimes feel like when is it enough for all these performances? I mean, they they make all this money anyway. They get all these awards, but it's still like we're all supposed to like treat them like they're they're like cardinals and bishops or something. You know, it's like <laughs> that's true. You know, it's like yeah. we're, we're all supposed to oh, my, you know, you know, it's like you know, they're getting it all as it is. You know, whereas you know, people who work in other arts get nothing. I mean, they get like no coverage, no right. attention. And it's, it's arguably more important. But I think just by demographics, the fact that we can't make this any bigger than it is because it is it is a live event or mm-hmm. it's a small event or it's a small community that it's not worth it to us to elevate it. Yeah. And also, it can't be hyped on talk shows. You can't like get everybody on. You used to know. be able to. Dick Cavett used to have people like that. I know. Well, it's a whole it's a whole other world. I mean, because, you know, you look back at who Cavett used to have on. Um, who other shows used to have, even who Johnny Carson used to have on. Sure, like Norman Mailer was a regular guest yeah. on those shows. He, uh, Carson was friends with Gore Vidal. He, yeah. had, he would have Vidal on a lot. He would have Buckley on. He would have Carl Sagan on. Nobody would have Carl Sagan on. You know, like If Carl Sagan were on Letterman, Letterman would say, Hey, what's the deal with all these galaxies? <laughs> you know, exactly. Right. Like, right. how many of them are there? You know, like. Uh, right. Why can't we have a, a reasonable, informed, intelligent discourse that doesn't have to be, you know, you know, kind of bookended by jokes? Yeah. Well, yeah. Now it's all, you know, now it's all. It's not just jokes. It's like all these like little pre-shot things they do now that they stick in. Right. You know, that's yeah. like it's like that takes up more and more clutter. I mean, when Leno was doing his his primetime thing. I'd like be watching this thing like, is this gonna ever end? It's like I didn't know what it was. I I, I couldn't even I couldn't watch it. I, I didn't. Yeah. I, it, it all seems so di- disjointed and uncomfortable and and haphazard. Yeah, even people I like when they were on it, like I, there was a couple segments with Pee Wee Herman. I couldn't believe how bad they were. And uh, yeah, and then other segments, it's kind of like what. You, it what it proved is that the stuff the Daily Show does is so much harder than it looks. Yeah, you know, sending you know people sure. out to do those taking remotes. the time. Yeah, you know, how yeah. much editing requires. Um, well, I think that my I, I guess like in in general, what I've been feeling lately is that that 
it, especially with Avatar, which I, I had a problem with just, mm-hmm. just because of the advertising campaign. I, mm-hmm. I just had a problem with the idea that we should go see this because we spent a half a billion dollars on it. Mm-hmm. it. It seemed insulting almost. Like if that's, yeah. if that really makes people go, I'm going to go see how they wasted that money. Mm-hmm. That, that it annoyed me. And I've, I've had arguments with people over it. And, and I saw the movie because I had to, because mm-hmm. people were like, don't, you can't complain about something you haven't seen yet. And I saw it and I was not that impressed. Yeah. But what I distinctly felt when I saw that movie is that we are really being the, the way that, that that culture is operated is to make us all emotionally about 10 mm-hmm. and then make everybody sort of like almost like a kid like I want it I can't I'm supposed to have it I mm-hmm. get it I'm, I deserve it and there's that 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 engagement with with cultural product mm-hmm. that I, I find it's it's dangerous and it's weird or else just completely stupid. Yeah. I, I don't know how you feel about, like, there are some comedies that come on now. Like, I just watched, and I, I know that because of my audience that I'm going to get some flack for this. Yeah, I've been told Arrested Development was great mm-hmm. yeah, over and over again. Yeah. And then I've been, I was, someone gave me the box set and I'm watching it and I, it's fine, but I can't, I can't lock in. Because yeah. I think that for some reason, there's this idea that that comedy is supposed to be disjointed, that you have these characters that are ridiculous and angry mm-hmm. and, and shallow to some degree, and I can't get attached to it. And am I asking too much? <laughs> well, I think, I think that certain shows like that, it's a matter of like the rhythm. You know, for, for example, the, the show that I can't get into, even though everyone raves about it to me, is 30 Rock. Because I just, fi- after a certain point, I find the inside showbiz stuff tiresome yeah you know it's all like we're at nbc and nbc is going down the tube so each week we're going to be doing all these inside nbc jokes about how bad things are and and also it's like the rhythm is so quick so snappy like nothing ever really builds right it's like a 1930s movie yeah so i that's one that i can't get well the but the you were able to uh i appreciate the fact in your most recent column that the one thing that stands out on that show is is the craft of comedic acting mm-hmm. that, oh, yeah. you know, whether or not like, cause I was a guy when I first met Tracy Morgan or, or I, when I'd see him on, on Saturday night live and I knew him kind of, I was like, is he having trouble reading? Mm-hmm. And then like with 30 rock, you really realize that these are stylistic decisions he makes and that's his point of view. Mm-hmm. And that's the way he delivers his jokes. And it's hilarious, but I didn't know that initially. Yeah. So I think that people are really, you know, operating on all pistons in terms of comedic acting and Alec Baldwin's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Who well, no. When be? these guys know that they've got something good, you know. Of course, then then you find out years later that the people you thought were all really meshing well together, hate they're like hate each other. <laughs> I you know. know. <laughs> and it's like, you know, like, oh yeah, no, he he didn't come out of his trailer one day because, you know, like because somebody told me they said, you know, if Dick Wolf ever sits down and writes a memoir about all the stuff that went on with the Law and Order franchise. Yeah. Oh my know, God. Why he fired certain actors? Why certain actors walked? Why he brought certain ones back? I mean. Apparently, it's just, you know. Do you know something? I don't know. Have you heard some things? No, well, I the, the thing I heard was that he really, he took took vengeance on the actor who left after the first season. Oh, really? Uh, George Sunda. Tried to ruin his career? Uh, no. What he did was he, he killed off the character in the first episode of the new season, didn't use the actor. He used like a stand-in and had the character like executed. <laughs> and, you know, and it was like, that was his way of making sure that actor is never coming back to this show. <laughs> no, no you know? Yeah, because something decided, oh, I want to go out and you know right. do so, something else. So. That's, that wouldn't stop a soap opera from reusing an actor. He's a ghost. No, they would bring him back. Yeah. Oh, can, I, can I tell you a funny story that Elvis Mitchell told me? It goes back to Avatar. Yeah, I haven't talked to Elvis in a he, while. Uh, he's out there. He's doing. He was doing some big thing and he said that uh 
James Cameron was taking questions for the audience. Yeah. <laughs> the first question, or one of the first questions was some woman who said, um, Mr. Cameron, I, I wanted to ask about why did you feel the need to have Sigourney Weaver ask for a cigarette when, you know, it's one of the, I guess, the first scenes. And he said, I'm so sick of answering that question. Why does that come <laughs> And he apparently just like Lost blew. It. <laughs> that was it. That was it. And I thought I sort of sympathize with Cameron in a way. Because sort of like of all the things you do, all the things you put together, this movie you've worked on it for years, and then this one thing about the cigarette. Oh yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? What people hang. What, what was the issue with the cigarette? I don't even remember that. Well, I think it said you know she Sigourney Weaver comes out and says like I really need a cigarette or something like right. that. She you know, and but everyone's gotten so puritanical now what about is, cigarettes. I don't know. They've gotten puritanical about more than I I am willing to admit. I did a show like I've been having this issue with with what. Uh, progressive audiences or, or the alternative crowd, but mm-hmm. they seem a lot pruder than, than, than they should be as young people. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it's a, 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 a mental, if it's institutionalized or it's just political correctness, but it seems to me that a lot of people second guess their own instincts mm-hmm. to react. I've I, heard, I've heard that from teachers that like a lot oh, really? of students, like the current generation, it's like, there's a certain blankness, like a lack of affect, like they don't want to react to certain things. It's not even that they disapprove Right, they like just they, they want to like let it out. Right, they don't know? want to take the risk of having a reaction to it because it might be just as simple as like I don't want to be uncool. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't want yeah. to take the risk yeah. of being misunderstood. Yeah, kids coming up with that is going to really affect their brains. Uh, I just don't. I don't you know, know the cognitive. What, uh, right, and and the the access of 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 depth of feeling of things that are. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know. I you know. I and I'm trying not to be because there's part of me that thinks like I'm an old guy. Mm-hmm. But there's another part of me. It's like these people are living in this weird eternal now of techno bliss without any capability for reflection, self-assessment. Yeah. You know, and I'm getting a lot of emails now. Thank God from from people who mm-hmm. listen to the show that are kids that are like 14 to, to 20, like kids in high school. Are like, I'm so glad to hear grown up talk like you, because I thought I was the only one having these feelings. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, great, great. Yeah. Holden Caulfield lives. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm just I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. That's no, because it, it's like it's it's almost impossible to think about the future now because everything is so jammed up it's like nobody there's no planning for the future because everybody is so jammed up in the, right. pre- in the present with all these ridiculous i mean you know you don't want to be i mean at first i thought i was just being a snob but the fact is like the something like the tea party movement they are genuinely dumb you yeah. know i mean you see it in their signs and the things they say that are like half cocked that are like you know that have no sense of history or or history as they got from glenn beck that morning well you know, you know what, what there's nothing anchoring the truth mm-hmm. that you know you can tell them the truth historically mm-hmm. and they can just go oh yeah that right sure yeah. like you, you you don't know what really happened you mm-hmm. don't know but you i have the history this is what happened yeah. no that's just the spin So so the truth no longer has any bearing in the culture we live on. So people just construct these temporary belief systems and they will deflect the truth. It's it's the same as religion. Paranoia has the same commitment element as as a religious dogma. Yeah. No, and, and what a, the hell you do with that? Yeah. And there's a reason why they went after FDR in the, in the New Deal, why so much of the conservative writing is to like totally devalue it and to say, well, actually, he made the depression worse because it then becomes a way of saying no Democratic president ever did a good thing. And also anything you do now is going to fail 
because if you try to come back and say, well, but no, during the New Deal, go, oh, no, the New Deal, deal failed, too. You know, well, but they don't a, tell you that. The counter history is essentially they've gotten somehow or another the, the moneyed interests that own the government have gotten fairly ignorant and, and dumb people who mm-hmm. are very angry to defend corporate interests by yeah. using a different language. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's baffling to me that what they're really fighting for is this corporate order that they've gotten you know, somehow into their head that that somehow is populism. They, mm-hmm. don't, they don't seem to realize the disconnect between who, who is their puppet master mm-hmm. and what is really happening. That's the most frustrating thing about it is that it, to me, the only, the, the only real question when it comes to politics is and, and where you stand is like, do you really do you care about poor people at all? Mm-hmm. And if you can shamelessly say, no, if they can't afford to play along, they they deserve to die. Then, then you're on that side. Yeah. It should just be kill the poor. But what I don't understand is how people who are economically compromised and still have those values, uh, you know, can 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 uh, accommodate that in their own mind, knowing mm-hmm. that they're just you know a paycheck away from yeah, being exactly yeah, what they're, they're mocking. A lot of them are in the same, con- you know, right. And you know what I think it is, honestly, it's it's pride. Is that mm-hmm. you know that there are people that for their entire life have rejected the idea or the, what they consider the welfare state, and they're Pride says, like, I'm an American. I'm not going to take a handout. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather not be able to afford my medicine and die fighting than take a handout. But the other thing is, and this is where, like, the conservative establishment was shrewd, by going after ACORN, going after other things, they turned it into... It's black people, it's minorities who are taking all this welfare, all these things, and they're taking it out of your pocket and out of your mouth, you know, and so... And they're communists. Yeah, and they're communists, they're socialists. As as somebody said, you know, who could be more moderate than, you know, than Obama the way he's done it? I mean, Obama backed away from the public option almost immediately, you know, and... Disappointing. Yeah, I mean, mean if... (laughs) Yeah, and and the thing is, like, if, if Obama were like Stalin and Hitler rolled into one the way they portray him... He wouldn't be bothering with like, let's get everybody together in a room and talk. And well, I yeah. think that what the, the what that faction of the right is creating this this uh, kind of like I- interior national cold war that doesn't exist, mm-hmm. and it's and and the states that are still dominated by Republican legislators are are creating laws that are enabling some sort of extreme. Like there are laws now uh, in some states mm-hmm. where people can literally carry guns around in public, and 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 Obama didn't really curtail any sort of gun no. law. And you know what's weird is that that then clashes with like they all pretend like they're for the business small businessmen businessmen do not want people walking in with guns yeah you know they really don't it's, 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 a, been a, yeah, it's been a real it's been a real problem <laughs> because like because they're not they're not just walking in individually some of these like tea party type groups they're like they'll like get people ten people together. They want to make a show of it. Yeah, because they they practically want the police to do something so that they can have a showdown. Well, these store owners, like a wall, some guy who run, you know, the people running a, a Walmart chain or whatever, they don't want ten people walking in with weapons all at one time. I mean, it's like you know, or walking into Apple, you know, Applebee's or Denny's or whatever, you know. Uh, yeah, I, it's it's I I I've sort of detached from it because I I no longer have. Uh, enough faith in a political solution that it mm-hmm. seems to me that we're on this weird course where something bad is going to happen right here and it's going to be American made yeah. and it's going to really make people go, holy shit, 
Uh, we, yeah. we better rethink this thing. Yeah. No, if the Republicans make great gains in the midterms, I, I think you're, what you're going to see is just going to be so chaotic. I mean, I, exactly. Like nothing's going to get done because the people who would get elected are not going to be people who are going to want to work with anybody because they're, you know, they're going to be first. They're going to be like the Gingrich people who came in that first time and like, well, we're going to tell everybody what to do. And, you know, yeah. meanwhile, they, they, they then get on the take. They're, what they're going to be doing is they're going to be trying to do like a lot of re- repeal of anything about involving gun laws they're going to be going they're going to be pushing abortion bills like we're not going to believe uh, you know it's going to be the wild west yeah. just people with guns and unwanted kids everywhere yeah. oh it's you know it's <laughs> but as long as the movies are really compelling and in 3d and, hopefully we can play keep paper the ipad's coming out so you know the thing is i mean the country may go down the tubes but in another month or two, we're all going to have little iPads, and we'll all be like Star Trek characters. You know? Yeah, there you go. So there is hope. There yeah. is hope that we'll at least be able to lose ourselves in our devices that we can hold in our hands. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> Thank you. Good seeing you. My guest in... Uh in the uh, studio. Yeah, because we're not at the Cat Ranch. Sam Lipsight, my friend and genius writer. Can I say that still? Can I? Can you say genius writer? Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I'm very excited because his book actually no, comes... Genius, is a, it's a tough word, though, because, you know, I can't say... Yes. No, I'm not a genius, and I can't say yes. <laughs> yeah. I, when people call me a genius, I, I, I usually say, like, oh, okay, let's not go crazy. There are about three geniuses in the world, and they work in physics, probably. So. Right. It's, it's a, yeah. it's, that word is bandied about. Yeah, yeah and it doesn't uh, – it's easy. It's e- it, You know what? Fuck, fuck that word. It's like if somebody makes a good pancake and you yeah. say genius. Yeah, that's a genius <laughs> pancake. Right. But I think that's all right. Can't there be geniuses of pancakes? I guess so. All right. But this is definitely a genius book. It's uh, I, uh, The Ask by Sam Lipsight uh, comes out next week in hardback, and it's spectacular. I read the whole book. The whole thing. Yeah, I read it from cover to cover. Yeah. I was excited about it. I tell people about it. Uh, you know, People ask me, um, what should I be reading? I say, you got to read the new Sam Lipsight book. It's so fucking hilarious. Well, thank you, man. I what are we? That. How are we going to make it? I, I think that everybody has to read it. It should be required. It should be. It should be in drawers in hotel rooms. Oh, really? Yeah, replacing, right next to Gideon's. Right, replacing or or next to it? No, replacing. I think really replacing. Replacing. Okay. Because I think what you do, quite honestly, if I could be honest, which I am usually, is that not only do you have a very specific and well honed voice, not only you are, are a great creator of sentences, but there's a lot of heart in there, Sam. Well, I I try for heart. Yeah, I like heart. Because I've read some books lately, not so much heart. Really? I'm reading Don DeLillo's newest novel. Mm-hmm. Has he run out? Has he run out of heart? <laughs> of something? <laughs> I, I don't know how much heart he had to begin with in terms of how of his style, But and I'm a big fan of his. I love Don DeLillo, and I, I, I know will you always do. read his sentences. So, that, Did you enjoy his new book? Yeah, I did. Can he, can he explain to me a little bit about it? What no, I didn't really understand it, but I really okay. enjoyed it. <laughs> All right, so it's not just me, but you're willing to give him. You're willing to blame yourself. Yeah, absolutely. It's my failing. Okay, then I and then I'm going to take that approach. Okay. Did he? Uh, now, now you studied with the same guy he studied with. Is that no, true? No, he didn't. Gordon Lish is who you're talking about. But a lot of people don't know that Gordon Lish is sort of like uh, uh, an important guru-ish character in the New York literary world. Is he not? Yes. Well, he he was. Uh, you say Oklahoma City. Take him there. It's an awful piece of shit. 
And those people are probably from Oklahoma City, if you're clapping. Probably like, I know, it's terrible. But I sat there and watched the destruction of the place that I love in the worst, shittiest place that only has barbecue in the world, Oklahoma City. And did, when you went back, what, what was the situation? It was pretty fucked, but I swear to you, comedy was still happening. There were still like, there were two comedy shows in New Orleans before the flood, and then there were three afterwards. <laughs> Where was this class? It was a seminar type of thing. Yeah, like, it was. It was in a, somebody's apartment. It was a private class. Really? Yeah. And he he'd only offer them to specific people. Did you have to uh, uh, submit something in order to get into the class? He edited a magazine. At the there were individuals that were humiliated so badly in terms of their inability to really be kept sending and eventually he took a couple of pieces uh-huh you good now i'm good thank you for that don't get too um, cocky I, that was probably it and and from what i've talked to you about it or from what i understand about it, it, it this was not an easy man and that the way that he taught people to write uh is fairly specific is it not i mean you were already you know well educated you know, on your way to becoming a fiction writer. So why would you seek out this guy? What is it that he did? Why? What? Well, I wasn't. No, I was not established as anything. I was pretty broken actually at the time. I was. Uh, but you were a graduate of of college. Sure. And- <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I was broken at the time. <laughs> and and wh- so he. Uh, yeah, you really had to go into that without an ego, and I think the people that already had a sort of writer's identity all sewn up for themselves. Yeah. Had a had a harder time, but I was really open to anything. And it was it was rigorous and he was tough and demanding of you. But like what like, but, well, in- but the thing is is the the sort of final lesson was now you have to go on and teach yourself, you know. Right. Um if you just kind of get caught up in in certain rules, you're you're going to fail. But right. If if uh you take you take what you need from a teacher's teaching yeah, and then transform it somehow for yourself. Then, then you'll get on a, a fruitful road. And right, and and that road is something. That's the 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 diligence on your part is committing to that, and and making that sacrifice. Like I'm going to do this. Yeah, or just I don't know what else to do. That well, right. I definitely understand that. Right. I, I that happens to me frequently every morning. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like if this doesn't work out, I can't even teach like Sam. That's right. But but I, I guess what I'm, I'm I'm looking for here is what did you get from him? What was like? Did he make you cry? Not in the class. But I, <laughs> I would wait till I got out of the class to cry. <laughs> Some people cried in the class. I think it's uh, important to do that in acting de- classes it, and writing it, classes. Yeah, it depends. But uh, he taught you to listen to yourself. He taught you uh, right. really. Ultimately, it was uh, just about hearing yourself and paying attention to your sentences and not just trying to leap ahead to some mythical good part of of whatever you're working on, but to to sort of believe that all of it has to be good and all of it has to be strong. I think that's good life advice because I'm constantly leaping ahead to the mythical good part. (laughs) And as I get older, I think that's a dead myth. (laughs) No, I I think all you have is now, man. (laughs) The mythical good part. I think I'm going to call my next CD that. Can I? I'll credit you. Okay. The mythical good part. Oh, God damn it. Let's go back to this idea because I'm getting emails now, uh, not as we speak, but in general, about about reading lists, about books, 
that people are, are curious about, you know, what I read and uh, about the books that have defined me. Because I can remember certain books that I would read and I'd be like, holy fuck, this is it. This It's all here. This is all I need right now. Yeah. Which books are those for you? A couple of them. Uh, an early one was Sam the Minuteman, written for, I guess, sixth graders or something. That did it? That fired me up. Yeah. In, when you were was, in sixth grade? It was by Nathaniel Benchley, whose father was Robert Benchley of <laughs> the, the Algonquin the... crowd, and his son was Peter Benchley, who wrote Jaws. Uh-huh. And, and uh, so this was the, the middle Benchley. Uh, well, it was about a guy named Sam, and I identified with that. <laughs> Yeah, and he was a minute man <laughs> fighting, fighting the redcoats. So you saw yourself, Sam, Sam, website, the minute man. The minute man. <laughs> I was later called that for other reasons. <laughs> but you got past that. Uh, I'm working. <laughs> I remember this this kind of uh, shocking book by I think her name was Nancy Friday, and it was. A big book at the time, and it was just women telling their sexual fantasies. Yeah. And uh, I got to that book way too early. Right. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that kind of ruined me for a while. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Where it's just like, how can anything be in, as important as figuring that out? Right. That it, How does it go in there, and when does that happen? And do they all have those? And is that what they want? And how do I do that? Well, you, I hope you knew some of that before. You know. Well, I did. I, I knew some of it, but it still seemed a big jump right. to, to actually getting it out of the pants and finessing all of that. No, it's true. And you got to work that stuff out. My two-year-old daughter told me today that she has a penis. And <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? I said, no, you don't. We have, you know, we have to get certain things straight. Do you get the boy out and say, this is a penis? <laughs> she's, she's figured that out. Okay. I think she just wants to be like him. So. When did she start talking? Uh, full on about three or four months ago. Any genius things outside oh, of every the, day, every day, every day, genius, <laughs> every day, genius. Yeah. <laughs> Were you sad when Salinger died? Well, I don't know. Sad. I mean, he was old. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. It seemed like a writer thing to talk about. Yes. Uh, you know, it made me think about Salinger. I think it made everyone think about Salinger. Did you love Salinger? It, yeah, I mean, Challenger is really so important to to the American voice in, in writing. I think so. Yeah, see, people were trying to explain that. And and what did he do that was so spectacular that hadn't been done before? I mean, I love him, but I mean, is it was just the casualness of the dialogue? And yeah, I mean, you could say Mark Twain did did a similar thing. And these are maybe these guys are all sort of markers along right this road. But Challenger was the important one for this century in this country. Yeah, I mean, he spawned a you know a million bad books too. Right. But uh, it was it was revolutionary. Now, a lot of people don't know that your father's also a writer. Yes. Uh, Robert Lipsight. He actually once as a young reporter had to track down Salinger. And Did he find him? He got to the house. <laughs> <laughs> he just gave up? <laughs> he, he, he got to the door, I think. I, I don't want to tell this wrong. I need to remember it. But... Uh, I got somebody not somebody not Salinger maybe his wife yeah somebody a woman answered and uh, and said you need to you need to decide now what kind of person you're going to be are you going to be the kind of a parasitical uh, you know cheap sleazy reporter who's going to stalk a man who craves silence and isolation or are you going to 
you know, drive back to New York and become the person you need to be. <laughs> and he got back in his car. And drove <laughs> Did he write the piece? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> He didn't even do a Gonzo approach. <laughs> Maybe he did. I don't. I don't remember. Oh, that's... you'll have to have him on sometime, and he can tell you that. He story. would love to come on. Yeah. I'm sure we could call him now. He'd be down here. <laughs> <laughs> but he did write. To, he, your father was he's a writer. written. He was a sports writer, a columnist for the New York Times sports section for many years. All through, um, and he had two times, two sort of eras. He was doing it in the late '60s and early '70s, and then he quit and wrote books for a long time and then came back in the teen 90s, books right in the 90s ya novels yes young audiences young adult oh and they're popular yeah well a couple he wrote are sort of cornerstones of the young adult canon uh a book called the contender which a lot of people i know had to read in uh in high school or middle school i remember i in a really kind of arrogant turn decided i would write my book report <laughs> on your father on my father's book and i got like a c minus or something <laughs> Did you take the teacher to, saw right through me? Did, they, did you take him to task? <laughs> no, I was pretty. I had the kid gloves on. But oh. <laughs> are any of your books being taught? I mean, a lot of people don't know that Sam has written a collection of short stories, Venus Drive, and uh, two novels previous to this new one, The Ask, the subject Steve and Homeland. Are any of them being taught? Yeah, I, I hear from people who are teaching them all the time. That's great. Yeah, because you know what that means? Money. Forever? Uh, I, I haven't seen that forever money yet, but I do like the idea of people reading the book and talking about Someone's it. Someone's still making money off of Bertolt Brecht. Okay. And, and <laughs> not, not me. Yeah, I, I, I know, but once once you become part of the the college, right? But I, you know, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm you know widely taught. Right. I'm just saying that I am taught. Do you get fan mail? Uh occasionally a fan email yeah for two do you have a site where they can go to do that no i've been really uh really bad with putting together my technological profile your social networking <laughs> social but isn't networking. there a facebook page for it there is for the book it's, it's a fan page for the ask for the book yeah well then do you are you going there to see what people are saying yeah i do but i have no way to get in there because i'm not on facebook myself Okay, so <laughs> I think, you know, I've had this conversation with other writer friends. You do realize that your fans want to hear from you. Yes, I'm just looking for the right forum. <laughs> really? Have you been uh, auditioning forums? <laughs> yeah, I have. <laughs> Taking a lot of meetings. <laughs> with, with forums? With forum builders. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you meet the right one. I do, too. It's a big it, business now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Forum building. <laughs> building. There are a few existing ones that proved to be fairly successful. Like Facebook, for instance. And Twitter. Twitter. You've got to open up. <laughs> Boundaries are a thing of the past. Now. I know. Well, I was just reading that article about that writer, that woman in Germany, yeah. who published that novel that is filled with bits from other people's writing, and they called her out for plagiarizing, and she says, no, that this isn't plagiarism, this is remix. That's my culture. I'm, a, I'm part of the new youth, and... <laughs> We just take chunks from other people's books and blogs and throw them into ours. So, yeah, and, and you just call it your own. Right. Sure. That's, I mean, that's. She free. said there's no such thing as being original, just authentic. Oh, so free the thought, steal what you want, yeah. call it your own, yeah, and take the hit. So that's, uh, I, sh I just need to lighten up, I guess. Well, it takes a lot of time, and you're, you're, you're busy with, uh, with writing, doing the big work, and teaching young minds. What's your feeling on, on the pulse of, of where the undergrad mind is at? I mean, in general. It's the same place it's ever, 
It is. Been, yeah. Just sort of like, how do I get laid? How do I look smart? Uh, how, how do, do I, I look? Yeah. How do I look? Period. <laughs> That's the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of that. Oh my God. I could never be a teacher. I really lo- love engaging with their work and seeing what they have to say. Sometimes it's funny, you know, you give them a, a checkoff story and they just say, this is shit. And, <laughs> and, but you kind of pause and say, maybe it is. <laughs> maybe everyone was wrong. There's no reason why we can't rethink this. This kid could be right. <laughs> so the ask, again, I read it and I'm going to reread it. Had I not given my coffee away, thank you for the nice hardback one. And I got to say, the jacket photo, great. You look happy. You look smart. You look like you're wearing a jacket. I'm in L.A. And you're in Los Angeles. So you're act- that's the L.A. Sam. That's L.A. Sam. Yeah. Hey, here I am. It's better than the other one, which I think. Uh, yeah, I think you look younger and and more vital here. The other one, I remember. Which one from? Home from the Way? last book, yeah. Yeah. It's different, wasn't it? It was just your head. It was. It was not even. No, it was just <laughs> my head. <laughs> it's, my, it's my hand on my cheek. Yeah. It was. Uh, it was winter. It was New York. It was down by the docks. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. But now, I wasn't that happy at the moment. At that right. Moment. Well, now you're, look, you're a guy with kids and yeah. a new book out. Right. And you're in L.A. doing the thing. Right. Well, yeah. not not at this moment, but yeah. no, no, in the no. picture. That's right. So let's let's read a section of it and enjoy. And then, um, and then we'll talk some more. Do you have a section you like? Yeah. Well, I don't know if I like it, but I'll read it. Okay. Uh, no, I mean, I... You wrote it's it. It's hard to explain. Is it? Well, once you've written it and it's out there, then you kind of look at it and say, well, but are you, you having that? Are you having Well, you that? have that no matter what. It's always like, you're like, how, why did I put this in? No, not any particular thing. Right. Just how could, why did I put this out here? <laughs> <laughs> why, did I, why did I let people see this? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so on, on that note, this is just a very short section uh, where the character Milo is uh, musing on some of his past uh, relationships and his, and his marriage to uh, his wife, name, whose name is Mora. Everything went off, went bad, or so I told myself, though I knew my crucial role in the spoilage. I had skipped my last meeting with Sayori Kuroki behind Scissor Kicks, the Plaza Hair Salon. Even then I could feel myself doing the dumb thing, as though I wanted to guarantee I had memories to haunt me, feared I might lack a good reason to wince. I should never have worried. I could still picture Sayori standing there near the dumpster in her denim jacket, fiddling with the scrunchies on her wrist, maybe worried I'd been knocked off my BMX by a lumber truck, though maybe she never reached the rendezvous either. Constance, I'd just turned abruptly away from her, seeing something better in whatever Lena's adulterous hunger could deliver. I'd almost let Mora drift off a few times, too, before Bernie reversed the inertia. We'd been together off and on for ten years, Mora and I, had tried very hard not to be the love of each other's life. It was like the stupid movie, without the cute bits. Not one of the cute bits, for instance, was the night we had a foursome with that lascivious couple whose Greenpoint loft, perhaps because of the hillocks of cocaine on the coffee table, we found ourselves the last to leave. After some preliminary dialogue that wanted so much to parody the clunky verbal vamping of vintage porn, but had necessarily veered into grim, jaw-grinding consequentiality, Mora and the other woman had stripped and entangled themselves on the bed, all pinches and strokes and theatrical licks. Even through the fog of powders and booze, the sight of them aroused me, and I turned to grin at the other guy. He smiled back held up a palm for a louche, almost wonderlandish high-five. 
I shoved my tongue in his mouth. Really, I just meant to be friendly, to compliment the writhings beneath us, complete the servicing circuit, but suddenly it seemed I'd broken the sacred swinger's code. What the fuck, the guy said. He pulled away, wiped his lips. Then he stuck himself in my wife, glared as he pumped. I'm not into that, he said. You had no right. I crawled off to the coffee table, decided then and there I had no fondness for Greenpoint. <laughs> oh, shit. Wow. I, I, I'm i sorry. I just have to. I just picture you when I. <laughs> Please don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's the fun thing about reading people's work that you know. It's yeah. like, this is Sam through the whole thing. It's just. In, 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 yeah, yeah, no, it's fiction, man. It's I, fiction, I know. I know. Yeah, don't I get know. defensive. I mean, you know, everybody. God damn it. <laughs> there, and the other scene where you're in the cage, that was good. It's not me, man. No, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. It's, I know it isn't. I know. I know. I know. I know. I. I'm, well, I. I, I just like. Uh, I really want this to. Uh, to get into the hands of. Uh, of the hungry minds. Like you know what? Honestly, to my young people, my young what the fuckers, uh, my uh, you know fourteen to twenty year olds, those in high school, if you want to blow your mind and have a good time and 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 read some beautifully crafted. Uh, fiction, laugh your ass off, and and just really go. Oh my God, there's a there's a whole other world out there. Any of Sam Lipsight's books are great, but this one's like this is the this is the the second masterpiece. Can I say that? I love that, uh, and I I think that you should get it. It's the Ask by Sam Lipsight. It will be in bookstores. Well, it's gonna is it out this week or the week after, Sam? I think the publication date officially is March 9th, but it should be in stores if. Before then, it's already in some stores. I'm glad you uh, came on. It's always good to see you. Oh, it was a great pleasure. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Sam. All right, so I am here in a unnamed studio in New York City on the radio mic with Brendan McDonald, like the old days. Yes, sir. How are you? Good. So we're going to talk Oscars. Yeah, this Sunday. Is it this Sunday? Yep. Holy shit. I didn't even know. Yeah. I don't I don't know how I feel about the 10 best picture nominations. Is that a business decision? It must be, oh, sure. right? Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. They were worried about the ratings of the broadcast from the last several years because it's down every year. Yeah. So this is thought to be a fix for that because more movies means more things people have seen. It, more than that, it's a business decision from the fact that now you have 10 uh separate movies yeah campaigning right so you know that those are ad buys you know all those for your consideration ads and that, that yeah i just i i hate to think like ever even though i know better yeah but, it breaks uh, the illusion yeah and it, the illusion's been broken in a while I'm, I'm looking forward to alec baldwin and steve martin i guess i guess i'll watch it but i i we just have we just printed out the nominees for everything in front of us i don't i don't i've seen a lot of uh these movies actually let's i mean let's start with best picture why not yeah did you see all of them uh, there's a couple that I didn't. I, I didn't see an education. Did you see that? I did see it. I watched it on a screener and uh, didn't love it. Didn't no. uh, I? Don't understand. That's the one with uh, the, the uh, girl who uh, falls for the older professor. right with, with Sarsgaard. What's his Peter, name? Pe Peter Sarsgaard. Peter Sarsgaard, and the, it's British. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the hell the big deal about that movie was. 
I don't, I don't even understand it. I don't even understand why it's on the list. It, it was okay. It was cute. And I maybe it was because I watched it at home and I could do other things like, uh, you know, cook and eat and go to my computer. But I didn't love it. Um, uh, what about a serious man? I didn't see that. Did you? Serious man, I've watched like four or five times. Really? You like it that much? I love it. Oh, yeah. Well, I like the Coen Brothers. I, th- I think when you watch a Coen Brothers movie, you're watching a, such a tightly crafted, meticulous piece of work by completely original directors and writers. You're seeing a, a, a completely unique vision, a unique script. I read the script to that. I auditioned for the lead in that. I don't know how I got the audition. I, was, uh, I actually had decent representation for about 10 minutes, and I worked really hard on the audition. But when I read the script... I literally was like, how the fuck are they going to make this movie? I couldn't picture it as a movie that anyone would see, or I really, more so, I couldn't really understand how it was a movie because I I don't read scripts well. It's hard for me to picture scripts. And then when you see the movie, none of that stuff went away, but it was exactly the movie I'd read, but it was completely unique and it was completely compelling. You didn't have to be Jewish to understand it. I don't know if it deserves best picture well don't you think it's interesting that it's nominated for best screenplay and you actually read it at before the filming process started like that's that's kind of cool like you had it in your hand yeah i still have it yeah and it's like now it's something that's regarded as a best of something yeah and i had it and it's got and it's highlighted where my audition is (laughs) (laughs) my failure is highlighted my inability (laughs) to get that part is is marked down well it, it it is a truly original movie I mean, well, cool. and, and I, I, I've, I've been excited to see it and it just keeps passing me by. So now I definitely will check it out. I'd be curious to see what you think of it. Now, you saw The Hurt Locker. Well, yeah, Hurt Locker and Inglorious Bastards, we've talked about on this show before. Obviously, you've talked about Avatar. We know where you stand on that. Yeah, um, it's probably going to win, though, isn't it? I don't know. It looks like The Hurt Locker has a real strong push. Seriously? Oh, yeah. They, they it's couldn't winning be... all the awards. You right. Know, the, the Producers Guild, the yeah. Directors Guild, it won the British the BAFTAs, the British Awards. So, I mean, that those are all usually pretty big indicators. Yeah. Now, it's not Hollywood, though, and Hollywood might want to acknowledge that they just had, had the biggest selling movie of all time. In the world. In the world. In the galaxy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, here and on the planet where the blue people live. But The Hurt Locker couldn't be more different as a from a production standpoint oh, yeah. or a quality of a movie oh, than yeah. what the, the what Avatar is. Yeah, and I, didn't, I saw Up in the Air. I don't think that should get it. I enjoyed the movie. Did, I did not see Up. You didn't see up, but now you have a you have a resistance. Uh, yes, I have an aversion to cartoons. Have you heard anything about this movie? Yes, I heard that I should see it, and it's great. I, I actually have the first five minutes of it here. I want you to watch it, because you're a guy who gets emotional over car commercials. Yes. And I think that, and, and it's been long been a thing that you have a very big resistance to animation as a medium. I'm already starting to cry. All right, well, well, let's <laughs> let's take a look at this thing, and, and then I'll just get right back on the mic and see what you think. Okay, all right. Now can we just watch the whole thing? <laughs> what happens now? Well, now they have a whole movie. That was a whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that was definitely moving. I was definitely ready to go. I was ready to watch. I, I, I don't know if you've changed my mind about it, but I certainly, I find right now that my aversion to animation is um, stupid. Well, I think that you have, like, I can sense where the aversion comes from, especially like just starting that DVD off and you see like all the Disney yeah. uh, foofaroo going on. Right. Like it immediately doesn't connect with you. You're like, this is kid stuff. But 
that four minute sequence is like a silent movie. It's like they they studied like Chaplin and Buster. Oh, Keaton. no doubt, no doubt. And it was all very clever and very beautiful. I think. And the weird thing is, I read comic books, and I don't mind animation in that form. I just don't. I I I like raw things. So I, I think the whole art of it, even though I can appreciate it, I never think I'm going to really emotionally connect with it. But I certainly did with that. Yeah. Do you well, think it could win Best Picture? I don't. I mean, they have that animated film category, so I think that's where it wins. Oh, you know? I just saw District 9 on the plane. Did you like it? I did until a sci-fi buddy of mine ruined it for me. What do you mean he ruined it for you? He just started uh, kind of questioning the logic of certain things, and I, I still I liked the movie. Yeah, there's no logic in it. It's science fiction. I know, but you know, real sci-fi guys are like, they want everything to make sense all well, the way down the line. Yeah, but- I mean, there's it's a movie about aliens that are hanging out in I know, Earth. I know. Yeah. Well, I thought it was a pretty great movie, and the guy who played the lead in it was great. Yeah. I, obviously, I don't think it's going to win. But well, but you know, but when you get down to it, talking about animated films, I mean, that movie's half animated. I know. Yeah. Avatar is like eighty percent animated. I mean, we, I didn't have a problem with the animation of those yeah. movies. You know, I just don't generally go to see animated movies. Right. But I didn't. And the same reason I didn't go see District Nine, or I wouldn't have seen Avatar has a lot to do with that. Right. I just don't think that they're movies I want to see, even though they're just broad-based entertainments. I don't know why I didn't go see District 9. It was just, I I had no idea what it was about, but the lead actor was spectacular. And I thought the even at the end, I won't be a spoiler, but I can spoil a movie that's been out for a fucking year. You know, I don't know how he got the garbage flower to his wife, but uh, <laughs> the, 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 the last shot of him <laughs> making it on the heap of garbage was very uh, poignant. Yeah. Yeah, but so so of what? all those movies, though, what's your pick? I would actually have to say, like Precious, I loved. I if I would go, you know, if I if it's going to come down to if we're going to hedge the bets, if that's what you say between Avatar and the Hurt Locker, I would go with the Hurt Locker because I'd never seen a more personal and modernized version of warfare uh, and and what uh, what people go through, and even as a metaphor for Americans' presence in, in a, in a uh, different culture, I thought it was, it was very uh, resonant. Hurt Locker was about the best thing I saw. Yeah. And I, and I really liked watching up what you just looked at. Yeah, that, I, I'm going to watch the rest of that. Now, the best actor, I, I think, is easy for me. I say, you know, give it to Jeff Bridges. Like a career achievement award? I don't know. I think Jeremy Renner in The Hurt Locker was spectacular. Yeah. I thought he did a great job, but yeah, I guess, yes, I would give it to Jeff Bridges as a career achievement award. Uh, supporting actor. I've not seen Invictus. I've not seen The Messenger. Um, I didn't see The Last Station. I haven't seen any of these movies except for the guy who's going to win. Yeah, and I'd, I'd give it to him. The the, the uh, Nazi general from Inglorious. He Bastards. was great. Yeah, that's uh, to me is the only great great part of that movie is that guy. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. I I didn't love that movie. Leading actress, huh? Well, you loved uh, Julie and Julia. Oh yeah. Well, I I I like her doing anything, but I didn't see it's complicated because I just couldn't put my th myself through that. Yeah. And I've got a screener, and I wouldn't go see it. Um, I thought the girl who played Precious is is uh, particularly good, uh, especially seeing her not playing Precious. Uh, it made me it gave me even greater appreciation. Where'd you see her see not playing pressure? She's been on all the talk show circuits, and she's just this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. As a person, you mean bubbly, it was a real? Yeah, right. no, it was a deep performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would give it to her. I, I don't. I, I, I haven't seen the, uh, the uh, Sandra Bullock yeah, performance. No interest. Helen Mirren already won one. But so did Meryl Streep, so that shouldn't be See, a reason. See, you know, that keeps happening, the Meryl Streep, right? That people are like, oh, well, she's won. You know what the last movie she won for 
was uh, Deer Hunter. No, it was Kramer versus Kramer. Really? That's like I guess because she's nominated and she's oh, always- No, I take that back. Sophie's Choice, which was in like, but also early 80s. She was great as Julia Child, and yeah. she's always great to watch. I, I wouldn't have any problem with them giving it to her. Uh, best Supporting Actress has to go to Monique. I mean, that thing was just yeah. mind-bending. Yeah, I think that's one of those things, too, where everybody else kind of steps out of the way and says, like, well, we, we understand you did something different than anybody. I've never seen anything like that scene in the social worker's office. The, where le- she's, the end of the movie? Where she's trying to defend- Yeah. Her position? Yeah. That was, like, I'd never seen anything like that anywhere. Yeah. For a movie that didn't speak to me very well, and I, I'm not faulting it for not speaking to me, uh, the two per- central performances were, were very good. Unbelievable. And and Mariah Carey was good in that movie. Awesome. Too. I didn't even know it was her. Yeah. I, I was like, she kind of looks familiar. Do I know her from being around? There were a bunch of people like that, like uh, the girl from The View, uh, Sherry Shepard. Yeah. She was good. She had, like, a... A couple of scenes, and I didn't again realize it was Lenny her. Kravitz. I didn't even know yeah. it was Lenny Kravitz. Right, same thing. Yeah. Did you know it was him? I did. I did before I watched it. I, I didn't. I didn't know anything movie. about any of it. Huh. That was great. Best director, and that'll probably go to Cameron. I I don't think so. I mean, the 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 uh, the Oscars have a chance here to correct many uh, decades of not <laughs> hey. having a woman uh, even be recognized in the category. So you and think Harold Walker is going to happen? I think so. Well, I think it definitely will in that category. Okay. The, and you know, they're ex, ex-spouses. I think I did know that. Cameron and, and her. Is that, oh my God. So yeah. that loads it up. Yeah. And they're both, that opposite ends of the spectrum. That yeah. make, that adds a little sub-drama. Sure. To the whole thing, although it has kind of what has kind of gotten lost in there is yeah. that the guy who directed Precious is only the second African American to ever get nominated for that award. Who was the first? Uh, the guy who did Boys in the Hood. Oh, um, John Singleton. Yeah, I like. Uh, I love Baby Boy. Oh yeah, that's a good movie. That I love that off movie. the radar. Yeah, I, I mean, I've I've watched that movie four or five times. I don't even know why. Hmm. I think it's a great movie. Yeah, I I just I like all of it. I th- I actually thought I saw John Singleton in the airport in L.A., and I wanted to go up. I when I saw Baby Boy, I I wanted to have my management figure out a way I could contact him to say I liked it. <laughs> I don't know what it would mean to him or anything. Yeah, but there was some part of me that's sort of like he'd probably like to hear a white guy <laughs> saying that he watched his movie three times. And then I saw this guy who looked like him in the airport. I'm like, Are you John Singleton? The guy's like, No. And I'm like, Oh, well, I really like Baby Boy a lot. <laughs> So, just said it yeah, to some, guy. some black guy. So if you see John Singleton. <laughs> when you go to your meetings. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well, so we'll see what happens. Anything else? Uh, no, I, I mean, they, they're saying that they've, they're producing the show totally differently this year. They're really, like, cracking down on the length of speeches. So you may see quite a number of people getting that rude, you know, playoff music. Wow, well, I mean, some of them are good, though. I always feel that way. I would much rather watch just some like tech guy, an art director, uh, you know, thank a million people and be honest and raw than watch some stupid musical number. No, absolutely. I, I think that they should be able, they should gauge it per speech. Yeah. But I guess they couldn't do that. <laughs> if you just like, this guy's boring, give yeah. him the nah, 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, to... this guy's crying and talking about his mom who has cancer. Leave him on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is good. This is good TV. Yeah, that'd be hilarious. Some guys just sort of, I'd like to thank. <laughs> so what are your bets? Um, well, if I had to bet, I would put a lot on the Hurt Locker right now. But, you know, never underestimate a $500 million blue 3D thing. That made a billion dollars. Right. It made more than $2 billion now. 
Oh, my God. Yeah. I got an email from a guy that basically said, you know, quit whining about righteous money talk. The bottom line is they made the movie. It cost a lot of money. It made a lot of money. Shut up. It's real gambling, and they, they, they hit. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. Okay, that's it. Do you feel enriched? Do you feel excited about the Oscars? Do you feel excited about buying my friend Sam's book, The Ask, which you should. It's hilarious. Do you feel like going to Jim Wolcott's blog or reading Vanity Fair? Because if you've never heard of Jim or you've never read his stuff, he's really astute and he's one of the great uh, cultural critics. Uh, I am very excited about what happened here today. I feel better. It won't last, but I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you need anything comedy-related, punchlinemagazine.com and do that thing. Go to WTFPod.com and do that thing. Have a good day.